one of the things that God wants you to take a hold of in your life is true and unshakable sense of purpose. But you have to do your part by engaging your efforts, doing the work, praying, and pursuing the goal of taking hold of it. This message is the third in the series, Take Hold of True Greatness. The message is entitled, Picture Your Purpose. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Grab your Bibles, your teaching sheets as we turn our attention to the Word of God today, talking about taking hold. This is the new series we're involved in in this season of our church life. I want to talk to you this weekend about picturing your purpose, picturing your purpose. Taking hold. The idea of taking hold is a very important theme in the Bible. In fact, going all the way back to the Old Testament, you find that when God called His people, starting with Abraham, He called them to take hold of possessions, to take hold of a certain land called the Promised Land. And much of the Old Testament really focuses in upon the people of God pursuing the Promised Land and obtaining that and taking it as their own, taking hold and taking possession of it. When we come to the New Testament, we realize that as New Testament believers, it's not about physical land, but it is about spiritual land, that God wants you to take hold of certain things in your spiritual life, promises from God, and to possess them, that they become very real to you, to take hold of them. And to take hold means that there's something that you are involved in. There's an activity that you engage in. It's not something that passively occurs to you. It's something that you engage in proactively to make sure that you're putting your hands on those things that God would call you to put your hands on in life. And I want to talk to you this weekend about taking hold of your purpose because if you don't take hold of your purpose, if you don't realize what the purpose of God is for your life and grab hold of it, you will never become all that God wants you to be. And today is a very important message in us understanding some things I believe that can radically change your mindset, can radically change your life. For us to understand this whole concept of purpose, I want to take you first and foremost to uh, the gospel accounts, uh, talking about some stories or reading some stories to you about Jesus calling some of his disciples and how he infused them with purpose and how it changed their lives. Matthew chapter 4, beginning in verse number 18, it's Jesus going by the Sea of Galilee and calling four people to be his disciples. Listen to the story. As Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. So their occupation, their profession, their professional businessmen, commercial fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. That is, come follow me, and I'm going to give you a new purpose or actually help you to discover the purpose for which you were created. I'm going to send you out to fish for people or make you, as one translation says, fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets, so they were fishermen also. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Now go with me to John chapter 1, beginning in verse number 40, as we see another encounter that Jesus has with some people and giving them a sense of purpose for their lives. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who had heard what John had said, as John the Baptist, and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you're Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which means, which is when translated as Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. So now another person has entered into the team, Philip. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote. Jesus, of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked. Come and see, said Philip. 
When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. In each of these stories, you actually find people experiencing an encounter with Jesus, and in the midst of this encounter, they discover something. They begin to discover their purpose, that Jesus gives them a purpose to live for, a purpose to understand, that they have a reason for their life. And I want to tell you today that purpose is a very important thing for your life. And the word purpose, sometimes we don't stop to think about the word, but the word purpose really means this, your reason for existence. Why are you on planet Earth? Why are you here? What do you exist to do? Why did God create you? What is God's expected desire of you and of your life? And on purpose, when I say that God created you with purpose and on purpose, on purpose means that there's been some thought, some pre-design, some pre-thought for your life. So God is, has, has a purpose for your life. And I'm going to share with you two things today that will help you to begin to grasp and appreciate the purpose of God for your life. The first thing, you may want to write it down if you're taking notes today, is that God designed you with purpose and for a purpose. God designed every purpose person here with purpose and for a purpose. That is, He designed you intentionally and He designed you for a purpose with your life. There is no such thing as an accidental, illegitimate person. I want to say that again. There is no such thing as an accidental, illegitimate person. While the circumstances of a person's conception could be questionable and maybe even be immoral, the reality is, is that the creation of life comes from God. God is the creator of all life. That makes all life sacred. From the time of conception, life is sacred to God. God created and creates life. He is the giver of life. So every human being has been stamped by God at the moment of their conception with a divine imprint. They've been made a living soul by God Almighty. There are no accidents when it comes to human beings. Aren't you glad about that? No accidents at all. We must understand that because there's a part of our culture today that would undermine the reality of the sanctity, the value of life, but we must come back to the reality and let the Bible define for us what is life and what is not life. And the Bible says that life begins at conception. I'll read you in just a moment a passage that relates to that. And life is precious to God. It is sacred to God. So this is not a political issue. This is a biblical issue. Life is precious to God. God is the giver of life. And because of that, every life is special. Every life is unique to God. And you are special to God. Your life has value. Your life has meaning. Your life has worth. Your life has purpose. God designed you for a divine destiny. There is a destination that God desires for your life. And God designed you for a work to do with your life. Not just to end up somewhere in life, but to do something along the way. There is a work that God has planned for you. And when God made you, He gave you a unique set of gifts. Every person here has a gift set that is very different from anybody else. It may be similar in certain ways, but your gifts don't come through you the same way they will through someone else. Everybody's unique. 
Everybody is special to God in the sense that they have a gift set and they have an inner potential. And that inner potential, when God made you and created you in your mother's womb, when God created that, that you that you are, He put in you, yes, a gift set and a potential gift set, but also the potential of development for your life. Everything that you need to be is seeded in you when you come into relationship with Christ. The fulfillment of that seed that God has placed in you can come into reality. It cannot come into reality without relationship with Jesus because he's the one that actually brings life out of you. He is the giver of life. And so apart from him, we're dead on the inside. But when we come to faith in Christ, we're made alive. We're born again. And through that, then the potential that Christ has placed in us can come into reality. That's why you need Jesus. That's why I need Jesus, because only in Jesus do you find life. And the purpose for your life is discovered very clear that God has a purpose for life. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5, listen to what God said to Jeremiah and it applies to you and me as well. In fact, I'm going to ask you to read this together with me. Let's all read it aloud and loudly, all the folks in Gaithersburg and Frederick and universities at Shady Grove. Let's read aloud and loudly God's Word. Here we go. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart for my holy purpose. I appointed you to be a prophet to the nations. God speaks to Jeremiah, and Jeremiah was at a relatively young age. Most folks think that Jeremiah would have been somewhere around maybe 19, 20, 21 years of age when God called him to be a prophet uh, in the land of Judah. And Jeremiah felt inadequate. He felt like, why could God, how could God use me? A lot of questions that came up uh, in Jeremiah's mind. And God comes to Jeremiah and says, Jeremiah, you have to understand something. I actually formed you in the womb. There you see the sanctity of life. In fact, he said, I knew you before you were born. Isn't that great to know that God knew you before you were even born? God said, Jeremiah, I knew you before you were born, and I actually set you apart for my holy purpose. That is, I had a plan, a purpose for your life, and now that purpose is being brought out of you. I'm calling you to be a prophet to the nations. God designed Jeremiah with a purpose, for a purpose. He's designed you with a purpose and for a purpose. The second thing today to understand is to understand that your purpose, when you get it, when it begins to grab hold of you, it changes your life. Purpose changes your life. Purpose is a very powerful thing. When you get it, it being your purpose, or better yet, when your purpose gets a hold of you, then your life radically changes. You know the reason why so many people wasted their life, waste their time, and waste their energy? Because they have no purpose. You know, we have a whole generation of kids growing up now that oftentimes don't even have a sense of purpose, and you wonder why do they get in trouble and why do they do the things they do because nobody has infused in them a purpose. There's not been a mom, a dad to come along and say there's a reason for your life, there's a value to your life, and that's why we as, as adults have such an important role in the lives of our children and the generation coming behind us to give them a sense of purpose, but there are also a lot of adults that are wandering around without a sense of purpose as well. And I will tell you what will happen. When you don't have a sense of purpose, what will occur in your life is you will basically live for survival. You will live for existence. You will get up every day and perhaps do the things that you do and go through the energies of your life and the activities of your life, but there'll be nothing that seems to grab a hold of you in terms of a passion of your soul. But once a purpose grabs you, when you begin to realize there is a real purpose for my life and I'm now beginning to understand something of what it is, it creates a massive passion in you. 
It happened for Peter and Andrew and James and John and Philip and Nathaniel. We read about them a few moments ago that when Jesus came along, they were doing something else. But Jesus said, come and follow me. And as you follow me, I'm going to draw out of you a purpose for your life. You've been fishing for fish, but I'm going to help you learn how to fish for people. I'm going to help you realize the potential that I placed inside of you. And they got it. And when they got it, it got them and their life was forever change. Knowing your purpose will motivate you. It will inspire you. It will cause you to pursue greater things in your life. You are called to something. Every person here, you're called to something. There's a purpose for your life. The Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 9 and reminded Timothy of this very same thing that I'm talking to you about today. And listen to his words and as it uh, has application certainly to Timothy and to those that Timothy ministered to, but more importantly today, God's Word is eternal. It's for us as well. Paul writes and says, inspired by the Holy Spirit, He, Jesus Christ, has saved us and called us to a holy, holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of His own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. Notice this verse. Paul says to Timothy, Timothy understands something. Jesus saved us. He saved us, but he did not just save us, but he saved us and he called us. Would you please circle those two phrases in that, in that passage? You've been saved, but you've also been called. You've been saved, let me say it again, but you've also been called. Salvation is a gift from God, isn't it? You can't earn salvation. You can't be good enough to get saved. If you try to work your way into God's favor, it just doesn't happen because you can't be good enough to be perfect like God is. And so God only accepts perfection, and the only way we can be perfect is by having a perfect Savior. And so we come and put our faith in the perfect Savior. And He, it's an amazing thing, He actually imparts to us His righteousness so that we're accepted by God and we experience salvation. Isn't that a wonderful thing to, to think of today? It's a free gift. Salvation is a free gift. Calling, however, is a responsibility. Salvation is a gift. Calling is a responsibility. It's your response to the gift. What do I do now that I have received the gift of salvation? How will I now respond to God's gift to me so that my life can be utilized for something beyond myself? And because calling is a responsibility and it's the way that our life gains passion and purpose, the devil will do everything he possibly can to cloud your vision of your purpose. He tries to rob vision. Satan loves to blind eyes. He loves to deafen spiritual ears. He loves to come along and tell you there's no real purpose for your life. He loves to try and convince you that somehow you don't matter, that you don't mean anything to the grand scheme of God's plan. But I'm here today to break through those lies of the adversary and to tell you the truth of God's Word. And the truth of God's Word is, yes, you indeed have a purpose for your life. You've been saved, but every person also has been called. You're not just saved, you're called, okay? And the calling does not just relate to the pastor that preaches to you. Yes, I experienced a call from God. Let me tell you something. Every believer is called by God to do something in the kingdom of God. Why? Because we're a body, and the body can't get things done unless every part does their part. 
So it doesn't just take one that makes the work of the kingdom work in the world or advance in the world. It takes all of us working together. That means all of us have a calling of God upon our life. Are the callings different? Absolutely, our callings are different. Not everyone's called to do what I do, but I will tell you something. Every, every calling is significant and important to God. You may never share a platform. You never pre may preach a message. You may serve God in the shadows in the background for your entire life, but if you're faithful to the calling that God gives, gave you, whatever that calling is, I promise you that when you stand before Jesus, one day you will hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. You fulfill the calling I had for your life. So don't just relegate calling to something that people who are in prominent places of spiritual leadership do. No, something calling is something that every believer has in their life. Why? Because God did not have, it was not an accident for you to be born. It was not an accident for you to come into salvation. There's a call calling of God a purpose for your life, every person here. So if we're going to realize that and stay focused on that and discover the full purpose that God has for you, to take hold of that purpose, that's God's plan for you to take hold of your purpose, there's some things that you have to stop doing. And there's one word I'm going to give you today. It's up on the screen right now, and that's the word stop. Everybody say stop with me. Stop. Say it again. If you keep doing some things, I promise you there's some things that you can keep doing that will destroy your sense of purpose. But today, I'm going to challenge you as your pastor to stop seven things in your life. Because if you'll stop them, you'll start something new, okay? So you can't start new things until you stop some old things, amen? amen. And stop is a very important thing. When you come to a stop sign, let me encourage you, stop, okay? Your life hangs in the balance, and the lives of other people hang in the balance. What you do at a stop sign is very important, isn't it? Because you can be destroyed, and you can destroy other people if you don't realize and recognize what happens at a stop sign. And so today, I'm giving you a Holy Spirit stop sign. And there's seven things I want you to stop doing, stop living your life this way if you want to discover God's purpose. Are you ready? Number one, stop living in disobedience to God. Just make a decision today. That's number one. It's basic, but it's essential. Because I will tell you that when you live in disobedience to God's Word, what will happen is your vision will always be clouded. You can't see clearly when you're living in sin. It just doesn't work, okay? Because sin clouds your vision. Sin messes with your emotions. It does all kind of horrible things to you. The Bible, in fact, says sin produces death in us. And so when you're living in, in disobedience to God, what happens is you're actually messing up your own purpose. You can't even see it clearly because of that element of life. And so number one, basic level. But number one, today, if you're living at some level of disobedience to God, make a decision by God's grace and power that you're going to put a stop to that. That's called repentance. And the good news is that God will help you. Isn't that great to know? That he'll give you the power. If, you'll, if you will bring to him the will to stop, he will give you the power to stop disobedience in your life. Number two, second thing, stop letting the wrong people and things define you. I will promise you that if you don't let God define you, other people will. There are all kind of people that want to define you and all kind of things in the world around you that would like to define who you are and what you are. But the most important thing that you do is to discover who God says you are and what God says you are and to let Him define your life because His definition is the only one that really matters. 
It really doesn't matter at the end of the day. I, I want you to like me and appreciate me. I hope you do. But at the end of the day, what really matters is whether I'm pleasing to God. What really matters is am I living a life that honors Him? And so stop letting the wrong people. I will tell you, there are people that will show up in your life and try to define you their way. But you have to stop letting the wrong people and the wrong things define you. Don't let your stuff define you. That's another element. A lot of people are defined by their stuff. They're defined by the house they live in or the car they drive with the stuff they have. Don't let that stuff define you. Only let God define you. Number three, stop, stop. Everybody say the word again. Stop. Stop dismissing your worth and value to God. Just make a decision. I'm going to stop dismissing my worth, my value to God. Let me show you how this usually happens. It usually happens internally. It's called our self-talk. And, and we, we talk ourselves out of a lot of stuff in life. You, have you noticed, have you ever caught yourself saying bad things to yourself? Have you? Okay. Sometimes we don't even realize how many bad things we say to ourselves. If we could take what you say, the inner conversation that you have with yourself a lot of times, and we could provide you a transcript of it, or we could broadcast it in some way, you would be appalled at what you would hear yourself saying to yourself because what happens is you oftentimes, we're very abusive to ourselves. We beat ourselves up big time on the inside, and part of what we do is we say things like, well, look how bad you are. Look how terrible you are. You're not worth very much to God, and God couldn't use you. I'm going to come back to that one in a moment. We say all kinds of things to ourselves and our internal self-talk that actually dismisses our sense of worth and value, and I want you to stop doing that. I want you to begin to, again, say what God says about you. What does God say about you? God says He loves you, okay? God says he cares about you. God says he created you for a purpose. God says that, that he is in you, and greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. God says there's a purpose for your life. Begin to focus on what God says and stop dismissing your sense of worth and value to God. You are worth something to God, and you are valuable to God. Amen? Number four, stop. Everybody say the word again. Stop, stop, stop wasting time and energy on lesser things. There are certain things in life that are not necessarily bad or wrong. They're just lesser. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 6, you can write the reference down, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else will be added to you. Don't seek everything else and then hope you get the kingdom. No, seek the kingdom first and everything else will be added. You know what most of us do? We seek everything else and hope the kingdom gets added, Okay. But Jesus said, no, flip that around and seek first the kingdom. Let that be the priority of your life that is seeking God, seeking God's will, God's purpose, God's usefulness for your life. And everything else that you need will be added because he's promised to meet all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. If you need something, I promise you God's got it. He can get it to you. Did you hear what I just said? That would have been a great place for an amen, okay? You missed your opportunity though, okay? Should I say it again? If you need something, God's got it, and he can get it to you. Wherever you are, he can get it to you. And so you don't, that was much better. Thank you, okay? And what you must do is say, you know what? I am just not going to spend my life on, on life on things that really, at the end of the day, they don't really matter. Not necessarily bad or wrong. 
it's really are not that significant. Remember we talked the first week about the difference between the substantial and the superficial? Don't give your life to the superficial. Give your life to something that really matters, to substantial. Number five, stop. Say the word again with me. Stop disqualifying yourself from usefulness to God. Stop disqualifying yourself from usefulness to God. Now, by the way, all these things work together. You can't just pick and choose the ones of these you like, okay? They all go together, okay? It's not like a buffet. I'll take number two, but I don't want number seven, okay? It's not like that. You've got to take them all. This is a package. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's a package. Go ahead and tell them. It's a package, all right? You've got to buy all of them, okay? And you have to, you know, you can't, if, you're li- if you are living in disobedience to God, then you've got to get that right first, correct? Okay? All these things work together. But assuming that you've made the decision to live in obedience to God to the best of your ability, assuming that you have stopped letting the wrong people and things define you, assuming that you are now not, you've stopped dismissing your sense of worth and value to God, you've stopped wasting your time and energy on lesser things, then the next thing you stop is stop disqualifying yourself from being useful to God. Because there are many times that we actually talk ourselves out of being useful to God by disqualifying ourselves. Let me show you how that works. Disqualification goes back to some past failure in your life that you haven't let go of yet. And you're still living your life as though that that failure now is controlling you or continuing to define you. And you feel like, well, you know, I made that mess a year ago or I made that mess five years ago or I made that mess a long time ago and it scarred my life. So certainly God could not use me. I want to tell you today that our God is an amazing, forgiving God. And don't let your failures of the past define what your future is going to be in God because God is a God of forgiveness. Let me tell you a little bit about God's forgiveness. The Bible says of God when He forgives you, when you come to God and you ask Him for forgiveness of your sins, that means you've owned up to it, first of all. You said, God, I've sinned against you. I'm sorry. I ask you to forgive me. The Bible says that He cleanses you from all unrighteousness. We've talked about that before in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. But there's something else I want you to know. The Bible says that God forgets your sins. He buries them in the sea of forgetfulness. That's incredible for for me to imagine. How could the omniscient, all-knowing God forget something? He only forgets because He makes a decision. When you ask for forgiveness, He decides, I'm going to remove that from my awareness. Uh, And only God can do something like that. He says, I'm going to take your failures, now that you've confessed them to me, and I'm going to remove them from my awareness so that I don't even remember them anymore. So when you try to remind me of something I've already forgiven you of, I don't even remember what you're trying to remind me of. You getting that? Okay. I'm not sure I could say it again, so I hope you got it, okay? It's an amazing thing. So here we go through our life living in guilt and shame about stuff that we did a year ago or five years ago or 15 years ago, some 30 years ago. They're living in guilt and shame about something they did. They're not enjoying the beauty of God's grace and God's forgiveness. Don't let those things disqualify you. Yes, go to God and ask Him for forgiveness and cleansing and turn away from those things, but move on with God. If you've fallen down, for Pete's sake, get up and move forward again, all right? Don't stay down, okay? Because the... Failure, I like to say it this way, when you fail, always fail forward, okay? Don't fail backwards, always fail forward because it leads you to something. You learn something and it leads you to your destiny. Number six, stop postponing your service to God. Stop saying later to God. 
oh God, I'll, I'll serve you later. There are many Christians that will not say no to God, but they're very good at saying later. God, I, I will do it next year, or maybe when my life gets a little bit more settled, or when I have this happen in my life, or that happen, Lord, I'll serve you then. Can I just tell you the truth? I've watched a lot of people over the years, and I've had conversations with people like this, and I understand there are different seasons in your life, so I'm not here to try to tell you that every season is the same season in your life with God and your usefulness to God and your service to God, but I'm telling you this. If you keep postponing serving God in any season, then the next season that comes is going to be just as busy as the season that just went by. If you're not serving Him before you get married, don't think you're going to start serving Him when you get married. If you're not serving Him when you're married without kids, don't think you're going to serve Him when you're married with kids. If you're not serving Him married with kids uh, when you've got the kids at home, don't think that you're going to serve Him when the kids go away from home because you're going to start doing other things then because there will always be other things that you can do with your life. Always. And stop saying later to God. Here's a great word that God loves. Now. Now is the time of salvation. Now is the day. Don't say later. Say now. God, what can I do now? Okay? And God knows the season that you're in. He knows the circumstances of your life right now. And again, we're all in different seasons at different times. But there's something that you can do for God right now. I've known beautiful saints that were bedridden at the latter years of their life, and they wondered, what, what can I do for God now? And one of the things they took up on their beds in their sickness, they took up intercessory prayer, because in the midst of being in, the, in their sickness, they could still pray. They could still verbalize prayers to God, and so they created prayer lists and began to cry out to God on behalf of other people. I want to tell you something. Those folks made a difference, even though they couldn't get up and move around and do a lot of things in their physical bodies. They were storming heaven and making a difference in people's lives. Yes, it was a different season for their life, but God still used them. So understand that in every season, there's something you can do, not later, but... Now, the question is, God, what do you want me to do now? What can I do now with my life? And you say, well, how do I get started? Well, just start. Just do something, okay? Do something for God. Well, what do I do? I don't know. Just do something, okay? Do something for God. Because what will happen, I've, wa I've watched it again through the years. When you start just doing something for God, if it's serving in one of the ministries of the church, whatever it might be, say, I'm going to volunteer, I'm going to, do, I'm going to do something for God, then what God does, he takes your something and he miraculously and providentially begins to get you into your purpose. It's like, it's like a car. When you park a car, you can't steer a car when it's parked. You can play around with a steering wheel, okay? But you can only steer a car when it's moving, Right? And the same is true for a Christian believer. God can only steer you when you're, when you're moving, and when you're moving, he's able to steer and providentially guide your life. Let me go to my, my last point. We're just about done here. Number seven, stop. Say the word again with me. Stop, 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 stop. Stop believing that who you are and what you do doesn't matter. Stop believing that because who you are matters and what you do matters. You say, well, I don't think I matter very much to a lot of people. I'm not sure if I even matter at all. Who cares if I'm not at church or who cares if I, I serve or not? It really doesn't matter. Yes, it does matter. A few years ago, I had a little accident. 
and uh, I broke my hand and I uh, ripped this finger. I'll not get graphic details with you here today, but the bottom line is is that the end of this particular thumb uh, was torn off primarily, basically, and to this point in time, I have no feeling in the end of this particular thumb. I never realized how important a thumb was until I lost the feeling in the end of it. And now I fumble around with my buttons and I have challenges picking things up at times. There are a lot of things that I used to be able to do that now I had to learn to do with my left hand instead of my right hand. Why? Because just one little digit, one little thing on my hand was affected. Just not even the whole thumb, just the end of it was affected. You know what? A thumb matters, okay? And you might feel like I'm just a thumb in the body of Christ. I'm not even a thumb. I'm like the end of the thumb, okay? I don't really matter a whole lot, but let me tell you something. Yes, you do, because you add something to the body that makes a difference. Your value, you matter. I'll tell you something. If you're a parent, you matter. You matter to your kids, and they're learning something about how to serve God from you. In your profession, wherever you work, you matter because people are looking to you to see an example of Jesus Christ. So stop believing that you don't matter and that what you do doesn't matter because these things are valuable. These things are important. Don't live a purposeless life. Take hold. Take hold. Picture your purpose and take hold of it because when you do, it changes your life. Let's bow our heads together in prayer today. Father, thank you for your word. We're so very grateful for the opportunity we've had today to study. Lord, what a joy it is to come to the Word of God, to realize you have so much to say to us. And I pray this morning that you will help each one of us to practice these stop points that we've talked about. Help us to remember that we've come to a a spiritual stop sign in our lives this weekend. And Lord, that we will begin to remember that we need to put the brakes on these seven things. And we begin to realize that suddenly out of that we discover a purpose that goes beyond ourselves. And I pray in Jesus' name that you'll work this in us by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray today that purpose would be infused to every heart and every life, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for today's message. I trust that you've heard something from God's Word that'll make a difference in your life now and forever. Maybe as you were listening to today's message, God began to speak to you about a personal relationship with Himself. You know, the most important thing we can ever establish in our life is a relationship with God, and we do that by opening our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, today is your day. It's your opportunity. And I want to lead you in a prayer right now that you can pray that will forever change your life, that will allow your name to be written in the book of life for eternity. All you need to do is simply pray this prayer with me and mean it in your heart. If you'll mean this prayer, God will hear you. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So would you pray with me right now? Whisper these words to God or speak them out right where you are. Say, Jesus, just mention his name. Say, Jesus, I admit to you today that that I am a sinner and I'm sorry, God, for everything I've done wrong. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are God's Son, the Savior, the Redeemer. I thank you that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again. I believe in you, Jesus. And then whisper this prayer. Say, Lord, today I invite you to come into my life, to forgive me of my sins, to give me a brand new start in you. I give my life to you today in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer with me, and I ask that now they would continue to grow in you and serve you faithfully from this day forward. In Jesus' name, 
If you just prayed that prayer with me, friend, I want you to know that Jesus Christ heard you, that your name has been written in that wonderful book of life, and that now today you start a brand new life in Christ. And to do so, you need some help. You need to learn how to live your life for Jesus every day. We'd like to provide for you. In fact, we have available for you some resources that you can get from our website, church-redeemer.org, that will help you to get a good start in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So again, check out the website, church-redeemer.org. Find those resources that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. If you've prayed with the pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org slash newbeginnings. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.